upon you in a thousand generations and your family and your children their children their children may his friends go before you and behind you and beside you all around you within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening and you're gone and you're going excited to be in the house of God today. I don't know about you, but this is a highlight of my week. It's so cool to just gather with believers and, and worship the Lord. Uh, we're so thankful for those of you that are giving uh, every single week and making a commitment to trust the Lord in that way. And God is using your gifts to bless, and it's powerful. And I wish I had hours and hours to share all the ways that I, uh, as a pastor, get to see people blessed. But um, how many of you before we receive the offering, how many of you really look around and you're like, man, this is my church family. I've been incredibly blessed by these people. Amen, right? So let's just praise God for the family. Let's just pray. God, we worship you. We thank you for the family uh, that we get to be in. Lord, we know that the family of God is large and stretches across the globe, but we thank you for this family. God, we thank you for the number of times when we've needed that encouragement, God, or that financial blessing, and it came out of the blue. Lord, so many, three times I've heard that story this week, God, where you provided by a guidance of your spirit simply from one believer to the other. And God, it's so cool. And we love you. And we say thank you. Thank you that we get to trust you in this way. May every single giver be blessed. Just like your word promises, may it uh, overflow and cause them to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, man, you can give online, as you know, or in our app or in the box in the back or right here in these buckets. Um, I'm just excited uh, to be here. Uh, I've had just a fantastic um, weekend, uh, one of the more relaxing weekends I've had, and uh, it's been really nice. You guys enjoying the weather? Nice, beautiful, right? Um, We're in this series called The Fruit of the Spirit, 
And uh, by the way, I want to give a big shout out, a big thank you to my dad who hit it out of the park last week. Can we put our hands together? See? And you have a fan. Got a new fan right there. Subscriber. Um, no, he seriously, like, there was, I told him, I, I texted him, I said, there's so much good theology baked into this one sermon. So if you're like, I really want to understand what the Bible says about the end times. What does the Bible say about Jesus coming back? That's a great teaching. So go on our podcast, which is available on the podcast app from Apple, Spotcast, uh, Spotify, I almost said Spodcast, uh, Spotify, all of those, and uh, take a listen to that. All right, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we open with, um, with uh, love and joy. And today, right, we're talking about peace and patience, kindness and goodness. When we say the fruit of the Spirit, I want you to understand the fruit of the Spirit are the characteristics of Jesus. They are the things that God wants to develop in your life. Now, how many would say, like me, the minute you got saved, all of these fruits didn't just naturally appear? How many of you still had to go to work and deal with someone difficult on Monday after you got saved? Right? So, um, these fruits grow in your life. It's part of the sanctification process. And what do I mean by that? That's just a big word, theological word, for becoming like Jesus. All right, which Ephesians says is the chief goal of man is to worship God and to become formed into the image of the Son. So that's why I say that a lot here. It's like, why do I exist? Why am I sucking air? I'll tell you why. It's to glorify God and to become like the Son. And when we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, these are the characteristics of Jesus that he wants to form in your life. So turn to Ephesians 4 with me so I can give you a little foundational scriptures that we're going to build upon today. Ephesians 4, starting with 18, is talking about people without Christ. People, and you can think of yourself too, this is before Christ. If you've accepted Christ, you say, this is who I was before accepting. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, due to hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality, to indulge in every kind of impurity, and full of greed. However, that's not the way of life that you learned. When you heard about Jesus Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. How many of you guys see that's an action, right? The Spirit helps you do it, but you work in collaboration with the Spirit of God to put off the old way of life, which is corrupted with deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So everybody just touch your temple for a minute. I want you to understand how many guys realize already in following Jesus that there are times when God says, I want to change your mind about that. Come on. I want to change your mind about the way that you see that person. Maybe that person you're frustrated with. Maybe that person that's had some fits of anger lately. The Holy Spirit say, let me change your mind. They're actually really hurting. And they need your friendship. Let me change your mind about this or that. So it says, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor because we're members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. How many of you guys realize that you're still on earth and there's, there's going to be times when you get angry, uh, but you, you can be angry and not sin. You can be upset with something, right? We're, we're a realist type church. 
We live in a real world. Uh, I shared with Cortland Campus last week, and I was preaching there. I had a very pleasant experience uh, at the bank recently when I walked. I, I drove up to the bank, and you know, you know, there's three lines, right? And so I thought I was doing the prudent thing by waiting for one of those lines to open up. And turns out that is not the correct way, because <laughs> a lady pulls around me. Uh, in an SUV, drives over the curb, rolls her window down, and goes, that's how you do it. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, <laughs> wow. You know, it's like she's had a bad day, you know. And I, I did not go stab her tires, I'll have you know. I may have thought about it. But the Holy Spirit said, Lord. <laughs> so I walked up to her window. No, I didn't. How can I pray with you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of thoughts to that. You guys have those thoughts where you're like, Lord, you are still sanctifying me because part of me wants to be really ticked at her and give her, you know, how many, how many, come on, you know, you got a piece of my mind, go all full Medea honor, you know. I didn't though. I said, Lord, I said, Jesus, take the wheel because this girl's psycho. That is that. But I needed the Lord to help me. And in that moment, Holy Spirit filled me with his love and patience, right? And I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus 10 years. I've been following Jesus probably 30 years now, right? I received Christ when I was about 10 or 11. And um, I'm your pastor. <laughs> and I still have times when I'm like, Lord, help me. Anybody else? Okay. So what am I saying? This is a process, and you got to let the Holy Spirit do his work, right? I want to also say being kind in forgiving is inextricably linked to these fruits of the Spirit, right? Of kindness and goodness. When we talk about the kindness of God, being generous, being forgiving, being understanding, right, are all different ways that we can explain or define what it means for the kindness. When I think about kindness, I think about giving to somebody who may not be able to pay you back, right? Right? And when I think about giving mercy, how many of you would say, if I were to define kindness like that, God has been incredibly kind to me and given me things I did not deserve and forgiven me and given me, like, like Donna said, or one of them said, 30, 40, 50 chances. That's the kindness of God. And when you realize that, how kind God has been to you. It's like we were singing earlier, you keep on getting better. You keep on getting better. You keep realizing how good he is. So we're going to talk about more, more kindness as we go about the day. But Colossians 2, verse 9, this is not going to be on the screen, but I want to tell you, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives. He's the head and the authority. In him, right, you were circumcised, but not performed by human hands, but your old flesh was put off and you circumcised in Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you're raised with him in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So you were dead in your sins having been canceled, having, having canceled the charge of all your legal indebtedness, which stood against you, condemning you. How many are so thankful that all of your debts when you came to Christ were forgiven? All of the wages, all of the penalty that you deserved, he has been so kind to you, and now that fruit of the Spirit can start to bear in your life. So here's what I want to say today. A few things about peace. I know there's, every week there's only a few things that we're actually going to remember, maybe the following week or following month. So here's your first thing. Everybody say first thing. Peace is a choice. 
boy, I lost about 98% of you on that one. I'm like, I don't believe it. No, I'm just kidding. All right, everybody say this with me. Peace is a choice. Now, that may sound brash, and that may sound insensitive, right? Like, peace is a choice. No, it's not, right? Peace, peace is, condition, is conditional upon my circumstances. No, no, no. Peace is a choice. Because peace is contingent upon what you're focused on and where your trust is. Guys, I've met, I, I talked to someone, not met, I've known this person. I, I've talked to someone uh, about three weeks ago who went through this major job change. And she had no stress. You know why? Because her peace didn't come from a paycheck, from an employer. Her peace came from Jehovah. Okay? See what I'm saying? Where's your focus? So for those of you that have repented of your sin, you've given Jesus, you've made Jesus your Savior and Lord, you've become one with Christ, you now have the opportunity to daily put your trust in him. And if you haven't accepted Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that at the end of the service, that you can trust in God in the midst of a crazy, chaotic, stressful world. You have to let the seed of the Spirit take root so you can bear the fruit. That's right. It's cheesy. I know. That's just how I roll. That's what happens when a songwriter becomes a preacher. Come on. Let the seed of the... Everybody just say this with me. Let the seed of the Spirit take root so you can bear fruit. Oh, turn to your neighbor and start rapping. Come on. Turn to your neighbor. Say, let the seed of the Spirit take root. Oh, I'm just kidding. I just did that. That just happened. We're going to take that out of the podcast. Let the seed of the Spirit, look at him right in the eye. Say, let the seed of the Spirit take root. Don't bail on me. Look at him. Look at your neighbor, not me. Look at your neighbor. Say, let the seed of the Spirit take root so you can bear fruit. Come on. And you say, what do you mean? Don't you know, Pastor Jordan, we live in a stressful time. Every time I turn on the news, that's right. When you put on the news, right, we can turn it on. On that, on that, that, the talking heads are trying to outdo each other to dig deep in their own opinions and their view of life and how crazy the world is. And we do live in crazy times. And they will convince you as to why it's incredibly crazy. And it indeed, it is crazy. And sometimes when you talk to them, they're like, no, you're crazy. Come on. Everybody just look at the screen. Sometimes you'll be like, no, you're crazy. Okay. Historically, though, the broad sense of peace is the absence of conflict and war, right? But forgetting that Jesus is in control will cause you to lose peace. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple takeaways. What I mean by peace is choice. Kind of sub-point sub point A would be this, what my dad talked about last week, knowing Jesus is in control. He orders the times and the seasons. He's coming back at the time when the Father tells him. Even Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. He's waiting for the Father to give him that instruction the word says, and when he gives him that instruction, he will come. So God's in control. That should give you a peace of mind. Amen? Amen? Right. How about this? Peace is, is so much more when we look at the word of God. In fact, the, the word shalom, it means a binding together, a weaving together of the promises of God in the context of community. That's what shalom means. That's why you can't have shalom without somebody else. You know, some of you miss out on the peace of God in your life because you haven't yet committed to community. Can I challenge you? Everybody just pull your toes in. Come on. Can I say it one more time? Some of you are missing out on the peace of God because you haven't yet committed to community. Guys, when I commit to community, there's people in my life that I meet with 
every uh, month regularly. Uh, we're starting a new life group. Again, this, we took a, 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 we did a life group for years, over a decade, beautiful, powerful. And we took a break the last uh, seven months to just get no new faces. There were so many new people here. We said, let's just invite over like everybody that's new. But we're starting up our life group again this fall, and there's so many life groups. Um, there's going to be almost 20 life groups this fall. Come on. That's 20 disciple makers, 20 people and their spouses, many with two, with a, a host and a leader, so 40 people who are saying, I want to commit to you. And I want to tell you that when you enter that house, you receive a prophetic word, and you don't even know you're receiving a prophetic word. I've heard this time and time again. The people say, I walked in a life group. Oh, my gosh. Jesse said exactly what I needed to hear. It was like Emily was, was you know, told me exactly the script. She read the scripture that I needed to hear. Why? When you step into community, you're receiving the peace from the spirit that God wants to give you. But if you isolate yourself, you miss out on some of that peace. Amen? All right. Either you trust, you know, I was reading, I was telling my wife about my sermon and, uh, I don't know if pastor's wives out there, Pastor Ed and, and Pastor Mark, I don't know if this used to happen to you, but sometimes my wife starts, you know, preaching a better sermon. I was telling her about it. She's like, well, you need to tell them either you trust God or you don't. I was like, whoa, girl. Okay, Danielle, you take the mic, you know, so Holy Spirit lit a fire under apparently. But I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. So that, part, that point was from Danielle. Thank her for that. She said, either you trust God or you don't. All right, turn to Mark 4. As you turn in there, I want you to understand that Jesus had been doing these miracles. Crowds were starting to gather. The fame was starting to, to, to spread. And as evening came, this is verse 35, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat. They started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Oh, he's got a little my pillow. He went online. He ordered that my pillow. He got two for $19.95. He's just laying down. Just peace, you know. <laughs> the disciples woke him up, said, Teacher, don't you care? We're gonna drown. You know, the devil always exaggerates your circumstances. Hold on, I'm preaching before this is over. Hold on, let me read the passage and then we'll preach. Don't you care? We're going to drown. We're going to die, they're saying. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and waves and said, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Guys, Jesus is at peace in the boat in the middle of the storm. Just taking a nap. What? The disciples, however, are totally stressed out, fearing for their life. And by the way, it's not like, this wasn't a real situation. and No, this was a real situation. This was a real situation. Waves were coming over the boat. It was probably pitch black apart from the moonlight. Have you seen that show, I Shouldn't Be Alive? They were thinking, I'm on the next episode. We're dying. And they go, hey, Peter, go check on Jesus. They go check, and Jesus, 
just chilling like a villain, just asleep. How do you, and they're going like, he doesn't even care. How could Jesus be so relaxed? Like it's funny, but it's also challenging, right? How can he be so relaxed? Because he knows who has the ultimate authority. His father does, he does. It's all good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. The lie that Satan always tells you in a difficult situation is God doesn't care. Don't you care? Yes, he cares deeply. It's not that he's unaware, it's that he's unafraid. And his love and his authority can fill your life to where you too are unafraid and at peace. Everybody say peace. Wow. When you know who's in the boat, you're not afraid of the storm. The disciples were so focused on the storm, which is easy to do. You know, a lot of times we read the Bible and we say, man, didn't they know? Jesus is in the boat. You know, wonder why they were so worried. You'd be peeing your pants too. Come on. Don't lie to yourself. Don't get all religious, you, you know. Oh, I knew what I would have done. No. You know? How many of you guys ever read the Old Testament and you like, oh, you idiots. Is it just me? Especially when you read the whole thing and they're like, you walked in a circle? Yeah. And you're like, why didn't you just trust what God said through Moses? No, you would have been tempted to do the same thing. Blame Moses, tell him he's terrible, you know. And the earth would have swallowed you up. That wasn't part of my sermon, but we'll just keep on going. So I'm like, that happened, that happened. All right, where are you putting your focus? I want to list some peace thieves, okay? Peace thieves. And the first one, right, we talk about uh, lack of finances. You say, well, wait a minute. Are you saying that if I just read scripture, if I can just focus on Jesus, right? But if instead I want to tell you, focus on Jesus, focus on what the word says, Deuteronomy 28 through 30, declare the promises of God that you will be the lender and not the borrower. You say, if you just say, oh, if I just, you know, I just focus on Jesus, that all my bills go away. I'm not saying that, but I will say, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Of your thoughts. Pilots know this. You know, pilots are trained. When they first started training pilots, I read this years ago in an article. I love, I love innovation books and stuff like that. And I was reading about the Wilbers uh, or Wilbers. Um, whatever his brother's name was. Anyway, the rights. Thank you. And when they first started training pilots, they would say, watch out for the mountaintops. Watch out for this. Well, they kept hitting the mountains, right? So finally they said, what if we just tell them where to go instead of where not to go? And then they had a lot less crashes. Turns out if you tell them, focus on the mountain, you might hit the mountain. Seriously. Driving down the road, what's a motorcycle? He doesn't look at the tree. He looks at the road. Your life will go in the direction of your focus. And that is altogether true when it comes to worship, when it comes to focusing on Jesus. 
Yes, you will get incredibly stressed out if you say, well, yeah, but these are the bills. I'll always have the bills. But what if you say, God, I'm willing to do the hard stuff. I'm willing to take my bills to somebody who will help me make a budget. I'm going to do my part. And then I'm going to ask you for the favor of the promises that are in your word. Too quiet over here, so let's try. That challenged somebody over there. So that's, that's, the, that's the side. Okay, but you guys are the side. You're like, I receive, right? Is it, are you guys? Okay, team A, team B. We just, we just caused division. That was terrible. That was a terrible idea. No, okay. All right, ready? So I'm going to preach the same word to y'all. Ready? Here we go. It's like God, though, wants to give you wisdom to meet with someone who will make a budget, but then help you uh, partner with God to believe the word that he wants to make you the lender and not the borrower. And you guys said, Come on. They see they received it. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Come on. If you focus, like he said, in the midst of every severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What? Do you guys ever read the word and you're like, no, what? Seriously, I mean, think about what we just read. They're in a storm and Jesus is taking a snooze. It doesn't make sense. This one doesn't make sense either. 2 Corinthians 8, 2. Let me read it again. In the midst of a severe trial. Everybody say severe trial. Their overwhelming joy, their extreme poverty. <laughs> I don't receive that. <laughs> right? But he's being honest. Their extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. How can someone facing poverty develop joy and generosity? I'll tell you why. They let the Spirit of God take root in their life. And they finally understand my life is meant to give joy to others. My life is meant to glorify God. And the minute you do that, God opens the windows of heaven. I've had three people tell me financial miracles this week. I wish I could tell them to you amazing stories of when they said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to give this, and the next thing you know, blessing. Blessing. Two weeks ago, my wife and I experienced one. It was crazy, and it was exactly double the amount. God always does it. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, won't he do it? He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Your peace is a choice. Everybody say this with me. My peace is a choice. Practice peace. So what do I mean by peace thieves? Worrying about my future. Trust. What's the solution? Trust that God is guiding my steps. Worry about my children's future. How about dedicate them to the Lord like Hannah? Fear of punishment. That's a peace thief. Romans 8, 1 says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Come on, fear of being alone. Believe the promises of Hebrews 13, 5, and Matthew 6, and Romans 8, that God says, I will never leave you. Comparison. Oh, that's a big, that's a big peace thief. We call it Theology Thursdays in my office. I start hollering about my sermon to Olivia. I said, Olivia, come over here. Help me with this. So I got five peace thieves. Give me one more. She goes, comparison. So you can give this point to Olivia. Thank you, Pastor Olivia in the back. She's our counselor on board, but staff. Anybody ever just compare yourself to someone else and a couple hours later you're like, oh, wow, I've been a very unhappy person the last few hours because I've been comparing myself to someone else. So comparison, what's the solution? Gratitude. A choice to say thank you, God, for what you've given me. Right? My provision, whether it's the, the gifts or the, the way I'm wired, I'm not going to be... Uh, jealous or envious over somebody else's. 
And I want to leave you with this piece, Steve, too. Not leave you. That's only halfway through my sermon, so disregard what I just said. I'm not going to leave you with that. This is the last piece, Thief. Here we go. Indecisiveness. This is something the Lord's been working with me on. I'm usually more decisive, and then in the last few months, I feel like the Lord, I was praying. This sounds really silly, but I feel like the Lord was like, hey, a double-minded man should expect to receive nothing. That's a challenging verse. And so I think I was praying with trepidation, like, oh, God, I don't even know if you can handle this one. It's a biggie. And God's like, why don't you just believe me for it? Anybody else? Just believe me for it. So indecisiveness, that'll leave you with a lot of stress. Not making a decision, not willing to make a decision. Make a decision and trust that God has spoken. And move on. All right, number two, pieces of promise. And don't worry, there's not five points to this sermon. There's only two. Somebody said amen. <laughs> don't amen that. Don't amen that. Peace is a promise. In fact, let's all say that. Peace is a promise. So we said it's a choice, so we have our part to play, but I do want to tell you it's a promise. It's a gift from God. It is not earned. It is received. I want to ask you, have you really have you really received this gift from God? Because in the fruit of the Spirit, it's within you that changes what's outside of you. Let's go back to our story. This is, this is, I feel like this is, this is not in my sermon, so I feel like maybe just the Holy Spirit wants to just uh, ad-lib here for lack of a better word. Sorry, it's a musical term, but... Um, comment on this more here. Listen to this. Because of what was in Jesus, it changed what was outside of Jesus. Because he, he knew who he was in here, he could change what was out here. What was out here, the storm didn't define and didn't change his peace because he knew who he was. As a beloved son, he knew who he was. And so maybe we just need reminded this morning that you're a child of God. God's got you. So if there's things that have been really weighing on your heart and robbing you of your peace, I want to encourage you today. Peace is a promise from God. It's literally one of his names. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Everybody say it with me, Prince of Peace. I want to submit to you that there is hope. If you have racing thoughts, if you have anxiety, and I can see some of you are nodding your, your head at me. If you have worry, and this has been something you've dealt with for years, and you say, can God really heal me of that? Yes. Absolutely. Yes and amen. He absolutely can. He absolutely can and wants to heal you. Amen? no matter what it is you're facing. I want to say this. When it comes to the Christian culture, we need to normalize counseling. Why do people whisper, <laughs> I think she had to go get counseling. She must be really bad. Come on, you know that's true. Why do we do that? 
the book of Proverbs is replete with the wise man gets counseling. It says gets counsel. That's the same thing. The fool says, I don't need any help. The fool says, I've never needed any help. I've never needed to call the pastor in 50 years. Congratulations. Got it all together. I've never needed to call my life group leader. <laughs> you needed to. You just weren't willing to. Right? Seriously. Why do we? Guys, I went to, I went to Emerge last year. You can tell I'm, you can tell I'm uh, getting a lot of healing. Because 2020 was a very difficult year for, like, I think everybody, but every pastor. How many would say 2020? It was a bit of a doozy. Can anybody disagree with me on that? Okay. And for every pastor, there was no, there was no perfect decision. You're going to tick off somebody no matter what you did. And it's a very, 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 very difficult year personally. And I remember, like, <laughs> I remember the staff. I remember texting the staff, hey, I'm going to be out today. And I got this message back. Where are you going to be? I'm like, just running some errands, picking up some things, divulging all my problems to a counselor in Akron, pick, go to McDonald's, you know. Because <laughs> I didn't want to say I need counseling. Because then I have to admit that I need help. Can we be real? So if you, if you refuse to ever get counseling, then really you're a self-made man. There is no self-made man. We're all broken. We're all broken. And there are times when you're extra broken. Am I being too real this morning? There are times when you're extra broken. Guys, there's a lot of you, there's, there's marriages right here in the sound of my voice that you need counseling. And your marriage will not become healthy until you will admit we need some counsel. We need some advice. I want to encourage you. Peace can come after you're willing to ask for advice. Peace can come into your life. Peace can come into your marriage. It's a gift from God. But there's something you have to do. You have to admit that you need that counsel. This, this last uh, two months in particular, our, our pastoral staff had a lot more counseling than usual. And, and I want to tell you something. It's beautiful to see people say, I need some counseling. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. Now, if that's your spouse, I apologize for any problems I caused in your near future. <laughs> Somebody's like, you slept on the couch last night. We both know you're not perfect. <laughs> Guys, counseling is not the C word. Seriously, I was trying to write this like, please, we need to normalize counseling. Now, I'm passing on to you something that challenged me. I was down at this, this uh, ministry called the Father Initiative that God had sovereignly put me on with Scott Wilson. He's this author and church planner. And, and I, I, I found myself there, and the whole thing's like just encouraging and I'm learning a lot. And then he's like, I get counseling every week. I have for 20 years. And I'm like, you need counseling? <laughs> I thought counseling was for broken. 
Oh, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, oh, you're not one of the broken people. I'm like, I am. I'm like, next thing you know, Holy Spirit's like, you need counseling. I'm like, I do. And I got home, and I scheduled it. Because you always schedule what you value. So counseling. We need to normalize counseling. I said it three times on purpose. Can you stand up to your feet? Guys, I'm talking about the Prince of Peace. It's a promise. But sometimes we don't get peace until we let him give us peace. And we open our hands because we need peace. I don't know about you, but I'm sure I've sat in services too where the prayer team went up and the pastor said, I want you to go to prayer. And the thought crossed my mind, I don't want people to see me walking to the prayer team. Am I the only person? We'll do communion in just one minute, yep. Um, has anybody else done that? And just me? That well, what if people see me walking up to the prayer team? That means everybody knows there's sin in my life. No, everybody knows that you're broken and you know you're broken. And it's the people who admit they need a doctor that get healed. Jesus said, I came for those who know they need a doctor. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up and we're going to receive communion in a little bit. But I first want to make an opportunity for you to simply get some peace in your life. The last thing I was kind of a sub point underneath this peace is a promise. It's a gift from God. It comes through the cross, right? It comes through this because guess, guess what else will steal your peace? Uh, regret, sin. The knowing that you did something wrong, the knowing that you breached a relationship, that, you, that your action caused harm in your life and someone else's life, we would call that regret, right? You know you did something wrong, unwilling to admit it, refusing to talk about it, that's sin. And Jesus can forgive you of that and give you peace. Peace. I want to invite you, I want to invite you to come find a prayer partner. Even if you say, Pastor Jordan, you didn't mention what I'm dealing with, but I know because God's already speaking to me where I'm lacking peace. And I want you to go find someone and, and let them pray with you. These prayer team members, they love you. They've been following Jesus a while. They pray for you. Every Sunday waiting for God to bring someone up to them. So again, this altar's open, these prayer teams open. Go find someone. It's the people who say, I know I need peace that actually get peace. And when we refuse to go to Jesus, we're in the middle of the storm. If we don't go wake Jesus up, if we don't go talk to Jesus, we stay in the chaos, don't we? Peace is a promise. It's a gift from Father God. I love seeing this. I love seeing people go and get prayer.
Father God, we love you. sense in your spirit, in your heart of hearts, God saying, you know, I want to encourage you. He can encourage you right there in your seat. Absolutely. But something beautiful does take place when you go up and just let someone pray for you. Because I have a feeling some of you still, you've got peace thieves. You're worried about your finances. You're worried about a relative, like we said. God wants to give you peace. You say, does he really care about my problems? It's one thing people deal with sometimes. My problem is too insignificant for God. There's other people with cancer and this and that. And No, he cares. He cares deeply. He has the unique ability to care deeply for you and every person that's facing their thing. He alone is God. He alone is able to do that. And for those of you that are still in the audience, I want you to just pray for those that are getting prayer right now. Come on, join in agreement. We are one church, one body of believers, one family. Pray for them. Say, God, touch them. Encourage them. lift their spirit right now. Jesus. every person receiving prayer right now deposit something special beautiful about your characteristic God that would drive out fear drive out shame for every person repenting of sin we drive out shame we thank you for the peace of reconciliation with God We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord and your Savior and that you forgive us of our sin. So we're going to do something we've never done before. If you're praying with someone, I want you to stay right with them. Stay right there. I want to have the ushers pass out communion as usual. 
But I want to have one usher, maybe Dwayne, if you don't mind, can you just go around all the outside? And would you, would you maybe serve, or, or you can delegate if there's someone else, one on this side. One, one usher, though, can you serve everybody in the prayer team? And I want you guys to take this together. Go ahead and pass out the bread. For everybody that's still in the rows, we'll pass out as usual. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. There's a peace that comes through the blood of Jesus that comes no other way. As I look out, I see a lot of people wiping your eyes in tears. And what that tells me is God is speaking to you. I want to encourage you. God can speak to you far beyond what was mentioned in a sermon. <laughs> God wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you about what you truly care about, what you're truly dealing with, what you're truly worried about. And it's, here's what's remarkable. It's the same Prince of Peace that speaks to each of you differently. We're almost done, then we're going to receive this communion together. I want you to take that bread. Hold it up in the air and just look at it and just thank God that Jesus, thank Jesus that he was willing to be broken for you. You see, the word says in Isaiah 25, I read this morning, that God says right there through the prophet, I will send one. I will send one. I'm going to send this shepherd to care for you. And God, I want you to say, God, thank you for, for sending your son. Thank you for sacrificing your son, for giving your one and only son to be broken, to be wounded so I could be healed, to be punished so I could go free. Thank him for that right now. Thank you. After you've thanked him, go ahead and partake. And as they're passing out communion, we've actually had a few people get saved during communion. If you say, I'm trusting Jesus to make me healed. I've been broken my whole life. Do you know you can trust God right now? Right now. On a Sunday morning in a church in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, across from a cornfield, a cow pasture, you can be saved for your eternity. Your eternity spent with God in wholeness, with no anger, no revenge, no cancer, no death, none of that, but in perfection. You can be forgiven and adopted into the family of God. That's why we call it good news. So before we receive this cup, if you're with a prayer team person or if you're at your seat, I want you to acknowledge that right now. I want you to acknowledge that if that's you. Say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need the body of Christ. I need Jesus to be the one who died on the cross for my sins. I need his blood represented by this cup to cleanse me 
of my sin. I want everybody to bow your head. If that's you, if you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, I need the good shepherd to take me into his family, would you raise your hand nice and high? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. One more time, slip your hand up if you need to receive Jesus. Guys, three people are giving their hearts to Jesus right now. Yeah. Come on. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray this together. It's going to be part of communion, and this is so beautiful. I want you to look at that cup because Jesus said, we won't drink of this again until I'm with you in my Father's house. And he went to prepare a place. Listen, for you three that had just raised your hands, I want you to understand, Jesus prepared a place in heaven with your name on it. He put your name above the door and said, this is your room. I've prepared a place for you. And when we admit our need for God, we're saying yes to his forgiveness. We're saying yes to be adopted into his family. And you have a father that calls you child. So look at that and say, thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming my older brother. Thank you, Jesus, for making your father my father. And after you thanked him, go ahead and partake. Guys, I am so beyond words grateful right now for three people that are in the kingdom of God, the family of God. Guys, that's why we exist as a church. That's why there's this building in the, like I said, in the middle of nowhere. That's why we want to put more buildings in the middle of nowheres and cities to preach the gospel. It's Jesus who brings you into a place of family. And I want to tell those three people who received Christ, I want to tell you, you're in a family forever. And guess what families do? They don't let you remain where you are. Families say, hey, you're hurting. I'm bringing you a meal. Families say, hey, I'm here for you, thick and thin, no matter what. Amen? Oh, man. I'm just so pumped right now. We got any, like, Rocky music back there or something? <laughs> Come on, listen. I want you to turn to neighbor and say, God is so good. God is so good. On your way out, be blessed, guys. Be blessed. Have a great day.